Welcome to Diverse City Church Sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Ray. I'm really excited because today we are continuing our new series entitled Bio. It's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. If, if you are just joining us for the first time, please feel free to go online and catch last week's message. As I mentioned last week, I'm looking forward to watching many of you have a growth spurt. Obviously, I'm talking about a growth spurt in the spirit. Some of y'all had a growth spurt in your stomach. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about a growth spurt in the spirit. I believe with us doing an overview of each of Jesus' chosen 12 apostles and studying their life, studying their personality, studying their purpose, that we can collectively gain a better understanding of two things, A, the New Testament, but B, my prayer is, is that you can more confidently accept the will and purpose of God for your life. Of these 12 apostles, we will discover that they were all different. Blacks, whites, Asian, Hispanic, North County, South County, projects, some with money, some with none. But they all came together, various backgrounds. They all worked different jobs. They all had different levels of education and experiences. They even had different personalities and played a different role in the kingdom of God. Some appeared to be more important, while others seemed to be less important. Nonetheless, they were all apostles, and they all had a calling from the Lord. I told you last week all of them by name, and I'll mention them to you again. There was Andrew, Bartholomew, James, James the son of Zebedee, John, Judas, Matthew, Peter, Philip, Simon, Thaddeus, and Thomas. Today, I would like to talk specifically about the apostle named Andrew. Anybody know Andrew? Any Andrews in the house? We got one, don't we? We got a couple of them. I want to talk to you about Andrew. I believe the apostle Andrew had a very peculiar role and a very peculiar anointing among the 12 apostles. Andrew had a very special place with Jesus. He was very, very close to Jesus, but not enough to be called one of the inner, inner circle of Jesus. See, Jesus had his 12 disciples, but he also had his three that were the inner circle. Andrew was the number four guy. I shared that with you last week, and I'll explain it to you just a little bit more in just a few moments. But Andrew was closer to Jesus than the eight disciples, but he was still not as close as the other three, James, John, and Peter. Andrew has been named the apostle that shared Christ personally. And he was also named the apostle that was first an apostle. Let us open by reading Matthew 4 and 18. And I'm going to begin to lay a groundwork for you to understand who Andrew is. We're going to look at his life, his anointing, his purpose, his, his call, his personality. And really my prayer is that God is going to help transform those that are like Andrew in the building. I believe that there are many Andrews in the church, but you don't appreciate your call to being an Andrew. 
Today, I would like to look at Andrew and challenge you to take your place as an Andrew. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. Let me tell you real quick before we go any further that Andrew is always referenced by his brother. Andrew came second to Peter. And it says that they were there fishing and they were casting the nets in the sea for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they too left their boat, left their father, and they began to follow. Before I start explaining the inner circle and the role that Andrew played, let's start by looking at the name Andrew for just a moment. I want you to see the name Andrew. Before I tell you about the name Andrew, I want you to see where I opened up. I opened up with you recognizing that Andrew had a call on his life, that he was in the boat with his brother, and that Jesus said, come and follow me. But I will show you in just a moment that before the actual call to apostleship with Jesus, Andrew had already followed Jesus. But before we go there, I want you to see the name of Andrew. Andrew means manly, strong, and brave. If you look up the word Andrew and you look it in the Greek or the Hebrew form, it's going to tell you manly or manliness, strong, and brave. And as many of you know, names are very important. Y'all know names are important? How y- some of y'all know that. Some of y'all didn't know because you named your kids something you wish you wouldn't have named them. <laughs> Names say a lot about a person, whether you like it or not. Names, unfortunately, say something about people. That's why I believe we should choose our children's names wisely. Names in many ways are prophetically and children will live what their name is. When we read the scriptures, we see how important names are to God and how he intentionally goes in and renames his children. He changed the names of many of his followers and the name changes also match their mission and purpose. Look at Abraham. Abraham's name was changed and he became the man that was the father of many nations and his name meant father of many nations. You can look at Sarah whose name was changed to Sarah and how she too was was someone that was living her purpose which was the mother of all nations. You look at Israel. Israel who formerly was Jacob. Jacob meant supplanter. It was someone that was always using manipulation and lies to get what they wanted and God shows up on the scene after years of him living in manipulation and lies and says Jacob you will no longer be a manipulator Manipulator. You have wrestled with God and wrestled with man, and today I'm changing your name to Israel. I want us to see just for a moment that God plays a very important role with names. Andrew's name definitely matched his mission and purpose. Andrew was manly. Who? I ain't got none of here, just me. 
Oh, that was, that was not good. That was not. We need to meet and do manliness. One, whoo, is no, you missed it. Mm-mm. Lord, bring that spirit out. <laughs> Andrew was manly. Whoo. Couple more. Try this one more time. Andrew was manly. Whoo. All right, thank you. I just, thank you, thank you, thank you. See, this would have been the 90s when DMX was around. Get at me, dog. See, but y'all, y'all done got, hey, we won't, we'll keep, stop right there. Okay. Andrew was manly, Andrew was strong, and Andrew was brave. Firstly, Andrew was a fisherman. Fishermen were outdoorsmen. Fishermen were rough. They were strong. They were brave. Fishermen were manly. I watched last night a show called uh, Monster Catch, and, and they had this old hillbilly up in Arkansas noodling. And look, y'all, some of y'all don't even know what noodling is. If you black, you don't know what noodling is because black folk don't noodle. <laughs> I ain't playing. Noodling is when you get in the water and you tread in some old dirty water with some water moccasins and all kinds of other stuff and you're trying to catfish with your hand. But you don't want a little one. You want a 50-pounder, 100-pound catfish. And you put your hand down in the hole or your foot down in your hole and you wait for the catfish to bite you. And then you pull it up, grab it, put your arm through its gills and pull it out. My wife last night said, would you do that? And I said, I'm half white, baby. I'm half white, baby. It would take me a while. I'd be scared, but I'd do it. He was a fisherman. He was rough. He was manly. He was an outdoorsman. But what stands out more than Andrew's outward manliness was his inward manliness. See, there's lots of men who are outwardly manly, but inwardly they're not. And I would like to say that if you're inwardly not manly, you're not manly at all. It's a facade. Andrew was secure. Andrew was confident. Andrew was good with being number four. Andrew was good with not being as close as the other three. Andrew never complained about not having a big platform. He never complained about not preaching on the big stage. You will see that Andrew is never mentioned for an incredible public ministry, ever. There's nothing recorded of him preaching. No one, it never says that in 3,000 were saved under his ministry. Andrew didn't write any books of the Bible. Andrew was someone that was low key and he was mentioned for one thing and that's being humble and privately and personally ministering to people one-on-one -on -one and never getting recognition. See, this is why Andrew has been named the apostle who shared Christ personally. Because while Peter's on the platform preaching to thousands, Andrew's over witnessing to just one. That's why theologians and scholars have called Andrew the apostle that shared Christ personally, not publicly. See, Peter was the apostle who preached publicly, but Andrew was the apostle who preached privately. Can I tell you that we've got too many Christians in the world who are only willing to preach if they can see, be seen publicly, but we need some more Andrews who says, I may never step on the stage, but I'm going to keep preaching privately because I don't do what I do for accolades and recognition. I do what I do because Jesus changed my life.
See, this within itself makes Andrew a strong man. If y'all don't know Andrew Wilson, go to his Facebook page and it is called Strong Man Wilson or Andrew Wilson. And that's because he knows the name that his dad prophesied over his life. It's important that you know the things of God that he is speaking and proclaiming over your life. And Andrew was such a strong man that he was fine working behind the scenes and not getting credit for anything. There is no account of Andrew's life ever complaining because he didn't get a chance to preach. There's no account of it. There is no account of Andrew ever being jealous Because his brother was his leader. There is no account of Andrew ever aspiring to be number one. You're like, aspiring to be number one? I mean, was any of the others aspiring to be number one? Heck yeah, they were. Jesus had to rebuke Peter over and over and over again. Jesus had to rebuke uh, Peter and James and John, especially when James and John came to Jesus with their mom and said, Hey, can my son be number one and two? That was not Andrew. Andrew wasn't interested in being number one. Andrew wasn't interested in being in the inner circle. He simply said, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm good with. I just want to follow you. Andrew was not a jealous man. He was a strong man. Do you hear me? Andrew was not a jealous man. He was a strong man. If you were jealous, you're weak. Mm. See, see, Andrew was a true team player. If he was only good enough to kick field goals and make three points but never got the money or the recognition of the quarterback, he was cool as long as he's on the team. See, he celebrated the quarterback. He celebrated Peter that preached the thousands. Can you imagine that? You lead your brother to Jesus, and then you sit back and watch the one that you converted preach to people that you could never reach because you don't have the gift. See, Andrew celebrated people that had gifts that he lacked. See, when you look at John 1 and 40, see, I believe that God's trying to raise up some Andrews in here. See, in John 1 and 40, it says, one of the two were heard, heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. And, and it says that it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. In, in the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are three stories that are identical, and these three stories show James, John, Peter, and Andrew out at the fish, uh, at the boat fishing, and Jesus called them, and they followed. So most of us think that those four were all called together, right? But when you read the account of John, it says that Andrew was with John the Baptist. And and this is actually probably, some say, almost a year before. And and it's saying that, that, that Andrew was with John the Baptist, and he heard John speaking. He heard him say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He had been listening to him preaching, and immediately Andrew got up, and he followed Jesus. And then after that day, the Bible says that he went and he left and he went home because it wasn't time for him to follow him yet. He just followed him for the day. And it says that he went home eagerly. 
waiting to tell his brother Peter, I found the Messiah. And then they went back to Jesus. Can I tell you that Andrew saved his brother Peter? Can I tell you that Andrew knew Jesus before Peter did? Can I tell you that he was saved longer? Can I tell you that he followed him longer? Can I tell you that it was because of Peter, or excuse me, Andrew, that Peter got saved? See, according to John chapter 1, Andrew was first to go to Jesus. You would think since he was first, he would be the greatest, but he isn't. His brother Peter was. If you ask anybody who is the greatest of the 12 disciples, it'll be quickly answered, Peter. But how is it that Peter was second to Andrew, but yet Peter became first? See, see, I I need you to see something for a moment. You would think since Andrew was called first, Andrew would be first. But Andrew never thought like that, nor did he complain or question it. He was simply okay with being with Jesus. As I mentioned last week, four times Andrew is listed among the top four apostles. You can read in Matthew chapter 10, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 6, and Acts chapter 1. And in all of these places, all 12 of the disciples are listed. And number, within the number four, every time was Andrew. It's Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Constantly, four times. There's four records where James is listed, excuse me, Andrew is listed in the top four. And as I told you last week, Judas is always mentioned last. And it's, it's important that we understand that we say, oh, well, I know why he's listed last, because he was the least important. Exactly. And on the same note, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew were listed first because they were Most important. They were the closest to Jesus. They were. They were the inner four. Every single account that lists the disciples always lists Andrew in the top four. But there are at least three times where Peter, James, and John were with Jesus, but Andrew was not privileged enough to go with them. I want you to see just for a moment... That Andrew was always considered the top four, but he was often left out of the inner three. See, there was a deeper level of ministry and intimacy that Andrew never experienced with Jesus the way Peter, James, and John did. But there's no account of Andrew ever asking, can I be first? Now you say, well, maybe it's not important. If it's not important, then why did God think it possible and needed to record when John and James asked to be first? See, the truth be told is Andrew was a humble man. He was so strong and so manly and so confident that he did not need to be in the inner circle to feel important. Oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. See, I believe that God's trying to raise up some Andrews, male and female, where you don't need a position to know that God loves you and has a call on your life. And you're not defined by a title or a position or money in your account. But you simply say, Lord, whether you call me or not, I know that I'm loved by you. I don't need a position to know that you love me. Now, I don't want you to take what I say. I want you to go home and read it. In Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 9, Matthew 26, 
you'll see three different stories. The story of Jairus, the, the story of the, the, of the transfiguration where, where Jesus had this awesome experience with some forefathers of his. And you'll see another experience there as well. And in these three accounts, Jesus specifically said, the only people who can go with me is Peter, James, and John. And you have to read that because it wasn't like, here's, here's what the enemy wants to tell you. Oh, well, what happened probably is Andrew was, you know, visiting his family or, or he was sick or, or it wasn't that Jesus didn't want him there. It was just that, you know, life you just don't know, maybe just couldn't be. No, uh-uh, no, no. Jesus specifically said, I'm calling Peter, James, and John to go with me. He says, you other nine, you're, you can't come with me to see this. You can't be a part of me praying in the Garden of Gethsemane right before I'm getting ready to be betrayed. The only people is James, Peter, and John. And and I thought about that and I said, man, how, how must Andrew feel to be listed in the top four but not good enough for the top three? Right? I mean, when you get down to number 11 and 12, you're just cool to be on the team. But when you number four... It's hard to not wrestle with your pride to somehow replace number four with three because you're right there. But Peter never, or excuse me, Andrew never had this fight. Yes, Andrew was the first apostle. Yes, Andrew led Peter to Jesus. But here's what we need to know. We may never know why Jesus chose to exalt Peter over Andrew. We don't know why. I mean, there's people who give their reasons. They say that, that God needed someone who was radical and out of the box and had an entrepreneur spirit about him and was willing to just do crazy radical things. And that's why Jesus called Peter. We don't know. We don't know if he was too meek, too humble, too laid back, and Jesus didn't want to call Andrew because of that. We're not sure. All we know is Jesus thought in his infinite wisdom that the best three people to be on the inner circle was Peter, James, and John. That's all we know. That's all we know. And we may never know why Jesus didn't choose Andrew. We may never know why Andrew didn't have the same privileges as Peter, James, and John. But what we do know is Andrew never had a jealous, envious, spiteful spirit about him. That we know. He indeed celebrated his brother and other people's success, even when it meant he become less. You know why it gets quiet when I say stuff like that? Because there is no American spirit in Andrew. See, because in our world, we're taught this is a dog-eat-dog world, and you got to do what you got to do. And if you don't watch your back, ain't nobody going to watch it. And we have this mindset, and, and see, there, oh, man, we, we just, look, look, we, we need to figure out a way to kill this thing called self-perseverance and say, Lord, have your way. It's not about me. It's all about you. <laughs> see, Andrew had the same mindset as John the Baptist had about Jesus. See, remember, John the Baptist said, Oh, he must increase, talking about Jesus, and I must decrease. And, and you know, I think about that, and I say, wow, here you see Andrew saying, hey, you shine. I'm cool playing the background. And I said, why is it that he looks so closely related to John? Well, the answer is, is because Andrew was first a disciple of John. 
Some of y'all probably didn't know that, and I just want to show you. And, and it's important that you know this. This is, this is for practical application. I'm going to give you some practical application once I show you that, that Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. Now, keep in mind, John is not the, not the John who's an apostle. This is John the Baptist. Okay, everybody with me? John the Baptist. For, uh, John 1, 35, 37, and 40. It says, John stood with two of his disciples. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. This is where they heard him say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They heard John the Baptist speak, and then those two disciples who were John's disciples followed Jesus. One of them, one of the two of them heard John speak and followed him. His name was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Some of you might be asking the question, well, who's the other disciple? Well, it couldn't have been Peter because the Bible says that Andrew is the one that went and preached to Peter and got him saved. Most people speculate and say the second disciple was John. Most people say that, that Andrew was the first disciple and John was the second disciple. We cannot prove that definitively based off of scripture, but we can prove that Andrew was first because the Bible clearly says through John that Andrew was first a disciple of, of John the Baptist and that he followed Jesus first. As you can see, Andrew was the first disciple based off this scripture. But he was a disciple of John the Baptist prior. Also known as John the Baptizer is what John's name was also known as. John the Baptizer. Some people hear John the Baptist like, what does that mean? John the Baptizer. John the one that's baptizing. It's important for us to know that Andrew was the first disciple. Excuse me, that Andrew, the first disciple, was first a disciple of John. It's important for us to know that. And the reason that you need to know that is very significant but before I tell you the reason, I want you to first understand the culture and the timing and the purpose of John the Baptist. Okay, so just imagine right around, let's just say, 0 AD, right? Let's just right around the time of Jesus, the culture during that time of John the Baptist and Jesus was very religious. They were very religious, very legalistic, lots of man-made rules. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, knew of God, but they were very far from God. That's why Jesus said that they were honoring traditions over the word of God. The leaders at this time had put more emphasis on man's traditions than they did on the word of God. They were hypocrites. They didn't practice what they preached. The church services that were being held in the synagogues were cold. They were formal and they were lifeless. There was no power. There was nothing in them. It was dried up bunch of bones like Ezekiel saw in his vision. It was in the middle of a culture that was completely jacked up that John the Baptist came and began to preach against everything the culture and church leaders stood for. Everything. John challenged people. 
John checked religious people. John preached repentance. John preached baptism. John preached the breath of fresh air to Andrew. And Andrew's curiosity and hunger for God began to be aroused through the preaching of John the Baptist. And Andrew heard a word in Matthew 3 and 7. And what he heard was, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. That's one thing that Andrew heard. And Andrew heard that it says, wow, I'm fascinated by John. John is calling these Pharisees out by who they are. He's saying they're hypocrites. He's telling them to repent. He's telling them they're jacked up. But it goes further than that. John starts teaching his disciple, Andrew, and says, hey, I want to teach you something. The Old Testament says that there will be a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make, way the, uh, make straight the way of the Lord. And Andrew gets, you know, just more excited. And he's like, oh, man, this is awesome. He says, I've been hearing about this Messiah coming. I've been hearing about someone coming before the Messiah. And now I'm seeing John the Baptist preach turn or burn. Now I'm hearing John the Baptist preach to these people who are hypocrites and jacked up. And, and man, I'm excited because John the Baptist knows something that I don't know. And before, ever, before Andrew ever became an apostle of Jesus... Andrew was so excited to be on a mission with John. He was excited. Andrew wanted nothing to do with hypocritical religious culture. Nothing. That's why he went with John. Anyone that was a disciple of John was fed up with church. Y'all hear me? It's kind of like diverse city. If you come here, you're fed up with church, straight up. You're tired of hypocrites, phony, dancing, shouting, running around, and you want the real. Over and over, I hear people say, you know why I like it here, Pastor? Because it's real. It's the real deal. And that is what Andrew wanted. Andrew says, I'm tired of phony. And he saw John the Baptist and got excited and said, boy, I've been waiting for the real deal. There it is. And he ran to John the Baptist. And John says, you can be one of my disciples. And he began to sit under the teaching of John. And he learned that the Lamb of God was coming. He learned that there was going to be this great awakening, this great revival in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and all the world would be saved. And, and Andrew was excited because he knew that the Messiah was near. See, Andrew wanted nothing to do with hypocritical religion. He wanted nothing to do with the culture. Andrew's passion for the things of God was sparked through a rugged preacher named John the Baptist who ate honey and locusts and wore camel hair stuff on him. This, was a, this, dude, was, this dude was crazy. John the Baptist was wild and he preached the word and Andrew ran to him. And it was through John the Baptist that Andrew repented, got baptized, and was made aware of Jesus the Messiah. It was because of John the Baptist. Now, it's important that you see this. It's important. I, remember, remember just for a moment that he was a disciple of John the Baptist. Are you all with me? Yes. Everybody with me? It's important. That you get, can you go back to that, that slide before, please? He was a disciple of John the Baptist. This is what I want you to see. Andrew was first a disciple of John the Baptist because this is important. This shows us something about Andrew that we can apply to our own walk with God right now today. See, Andrew wanted more from God. He didn't exactly know what that more meant, but he wanted more. Y'all with me? When he went to John, he didn't know about Jesus. 
He just wanted more. Since he wanted more, he did what he could and he followed John the Baptist because that's what he had to work with. He worked with what he was given and because he worked with what he had, the opportunity came for him to have more, which was Jesus. If he would not have been willing to follow God with what he had, he would have not followed God with the Messiah named Jesus. See, had Andrew waited vaguely and passively, and he would have just sat back and said, oh, one day God's going to bless me, most likely he would have never had an opportunity to follow Jesus. See, I need you to see for a moment that Andrew was active. Everybody say active. Andrew was active, and he was living a life of faith the best he knew how before he ever met Jesus. He says, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I sure don't know what to do. Things aren't going the way I want. I sure hope more comes for me. But right now where I am, I need to make the best of what I got, and all I got is John the Baptist. So he followed John the Baptist. I don't know what you're waiting for Jesus to do in your life, but I want to tell you, you need to stop sitting back and waiting for Jesus to meet you. And I want to remind you that you can't sit back anymore passively waiting for God to show up in your life. And you need to get up and say, God, I'm going to work with what I got right now. I don't have a whole lot to show. I don't have a whole lot to work with, but I'm going to work with what I've got right now I need somebody to say to themselves I'm going to start working with what I got right now see some of y'all got a John the Baptist but you don't have Jesus and I want to tell you you better start working with John the Baptist you better start working with what God gave you right now see we need to start serving God right now Don't wait a week, don't wait a month, don't wait a year, don't wait to get more money to start tithing, don't start serving once your schedule lightens up, you need to start serving God right now. I'm tired of people sitting back, looking at their watch, talking about, oh, I'm going to serve him soon. No, 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 Andrew says, I can't wait to serve him, I'm going to serve him with what I got right now see there's something to be said about serving God in the moment see God meets people where they are and when they're serving let me say that again God will meet you right where you are when you're serving but if you sit back passively waiting for God to come through you may never see anything because it might just be that that's a lazy spirit inside of you and God says I can't bless no mess I need you to work with what you I know you don't have an education I'm sorry that your daddy left you I'm sorry that your mama walked away I'm sorry you only make eight dollars an hour but you better go out to McDonald's and you better say can I help you with what you got right now we're all waiting for God to lift us up oh oh once I get up here then I'm gonna start serving no 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 you better serve him when you're down on the ground and you don't have nothing you better serve him right now some of y'all are right here and you just need to start serving him 
I heard one person tell me when I, they asked the question, they said, hey, I want to know when do I start serving the homeless people? When do we have a food pantry? And the answer is right now. And, and they say, but, but all I have is a closet that's four by four and I can't get much food in it. Then you serve the best people you can with a closet that's four by four. You'd better serve right now. Why? Has the enemy lied to us and told us sooner or later we'll get our breakthrough? And I just, I believe if Andrew was on the scene, he was, he would say, yeah, I didn't get no breakthrough because I waited. I got a breakthrough because I was hungry for God right now. We need to be hungry for the Lord. We need to be hungry for the Lord. God met David while he was serving sheep. God met Moses while he was defending the defenseless. God met Abraham when he decided to take a journey to a home not his own. God met Joseph when he was in prison but living in integrity. Can I tell you that God meets people in the middle of their right now and you can't wait. You need to make your right now right now. The third point I want you to see is Andrew's ministry was off the stage. So the first point that I gave you was Andrew was manly, strong, and brave. And we talked about the true manliness or strength is not one on the outside, but one on the inside. The last point, which I'll be very quick, is Andrew's ministry was off the stage. Andrew's ministry was off the stage. Now, as already noted... Andrew did not have a public ministry. His ministry was off the stage. It was behind the scenes. Andrew is what we would call a modern-day Christian volunteer janitor. Andrew is what we would call today a volunteer Sunday school worker. Andrew is what we would call today someone who serves behind the scenes and no one knows they do anything. See, it is so important that we see that it was more private and personal than it was public for Andrew. See, he's known for being private and personal. He's known as the personal evangelist because he ministered to people right there one-on-one. He is known as the one that was excited about Jesus and just wanted to tell people about the Lord. He is known for bringing people to Jesus, not big crowds, just one or two, just a small group. See, Andrew's role seems a lot less significant than the role of his brother, Peter. See, because Peter preached to thousands of people. So when you see Peter on a platform preaching to thousands, and then you see Andrew ministering to one, it's easy for us to begin to think that Peter's role is a lot more significant than Andrew's role, but Andrew had the ability to see that his role was just as important as his brother's role. See, it's easy for people who do not have a public ministry to get beat up because they think their private ministry isn't that important. Somebody needs to hear that again. 
The reason the church does not grow is because you're not putting priority or the importantness of your role as a Christian in the kingdom of God. You think that since Pastor Ray speaks well and breaks down scriptures well and and makes it relevant and applicable to your life that I'm the only one that can do the ministry and you're viewing me like Peter. The problem is not you're viewing me like Peter. The problem is you're viewing me through the eyes of someone different than Andrew. Because if you put on the eyes of Andrew and still saw me as Peter, you'd say, that's a man of God doing great things. But you'd leave here and say, I too am a man of God doing great things. And that you equally would see your role as important as my role. And we would build this church and break revival out because you know that churches aren't built on preaching alone. It's built on Andrews that are working simultaneously with the word of God going first. And you are ministering in your neighborhoods and streets and job places. We need some Andrews to rise up. We need some people who will start taking their role important. And stop thinking you need to be on a platform to have importance. The enemy tries to convince people that are like Andrew that their role isn't important. But do not fall for that lie because it's nothing for the lie from the pits of hell. Every role is important and needed in the kingdom of God. Andrew is the only one mentioned, uh, who, who is only mentioned a few times. And every time he is mentioned, he's mentioned for doing something minuscule to just one or two. Why do I say this to you? I say this because I believe with all of my heart that the enemy is trying to kill and silence every Andrew. You're trying to, he's trying to make you underestimate, undermine, and not respect and appreciate the call that God's put on your life because it's not on stage, it's not important. I need you to know that a stage does not make you important. The only reason the Lord put me on this stage, I believe, is because once upon a time I was an Andrew and I wasn't too small to build it. I wasn't too big to build it. God said to me through a man, he said, Ray, I want you to know something. The Lord told me to tell you that if you're too big to build the stage, you're too small to get on it. See, and I tell you what, I've always had a joy in serving people. I've never needed accolades and recognition and pats on the back for who I am and what I do because I do it for the Lord. And, and I want to celebrate other people's successes. As I said last week, I said, man, look, I hope I pour everything inside of you. And if I can help you to elevate and go higher than me, have more money than me, a bigger church than me, more ministry than me, I'm going to be so happy that you become more than me because it's not about me anyway. It's all about the Lord. And, and I just want to be a part of what God's trying to do. And the reality is, is if we're too big to help build the stage, if we're too big to clean toilets, to work with the kids in ministry, to preach to kids that are seven years old, then God's going to say you're too small to preach to kids who are 17. And if you can't preach to youth groups who are 17, 16, and 15, he'll never let you preach in front of a multitude. Because God needs to make sure that you can be a good Andrew before he can ever make you a Peter. So as we see, it is so important that we do not allow the enemy to lie to us and tell us, because I'm not on the platform, I'm not as important because it's not true. I need to give you these three scriptures, and then I'm going to close. I really believe that this is going to unlock something for some of you. 
In John chapter 1 and 41, it says, He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah and brought him to Jesus. So the first thing I need you to see is that Simon, also known as Peter, came to Jesus through one person, and his name was Andrew. Another account that we have of Andrew is in John chapter 6. It says in verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, here again, he's being listed by his brother's name, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Now, I want you to see this because there were 12 disciples with them. This was after uh, uh, Jesus had just got done preaching and, and he, had, he was moved with compassion. He saw that they were hungry and they're like, dang, bro, we ain't got no food for them. I don't know what we're going to do. And here's Andrew off on the cut building a relationship with somebody that he ended up having such a good relationship with that he felt confident enough that he could ask this boy, can we have your fish and bread? And then he took the boy to Jesus and Jesus turned it into feed. 5,000. See, we, we can't miss something here. I, I need you to see that Peter in Acts chapter 2, I believe, preached. And the Bible says that 3,000 were saved. Now, 3,000 were saved, so how many thousand were there? And I began to think, Andrew, if Andrew is the brother of Peter, but he led Peter to Jesus, then Andrew would be the spiritual father to Peter. So now you have Andrew, the brother, but also the spiritual father, sitting there gazing upon Peter as he preaches to thousands of people and over 3,000 get saved. And at that moment, Andrew became a spiritual grandfather of 3,000 people. Now, most people would say, oh, why they get the platform and not me? But I can just imagine Andrew sitting there saying, boy, preach it. There's another grandson. There's another granddaughter. There's another grandson. Preach that, Peter. There's another one. You better preach that thing. You better preach that thing. Oh, no, he didn't complain. He went on and said, hey, hey, boy, can, hey, come with me, come with me. I'm going to hook you up with Jesus. He gets to Jesus, and Jesus fed 5,000 men. We don't know how many kids there were. We don't know how many women there were. Why, why do you say this? Because through Andrew building a relationship with one little boy, thousands were fed. I'll also show you in John chapter 12, verse 20. It says, now there were certain Greeks who were among those who came to worship at the feast. Now, let me just explain real quick. These Greeks were, were non-Israelites. They were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. This means that they did not fall into the, the family of Abraham, but they decided that they wanted to become Israelites simply by keeping the customs and traditions and law. So these were actually Greeks, non-Israelites, Gentiles. And it says that these Greeks came to worship at the feast, the Gentiles, and then they came to Philip, one of the disciples, and they, and they, and they came to him who was from Bethsaida of Galilee and asked him, saying, Sir, Philip, I got a question. We wish to see Jesus. And look, 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 this, this is how you know that, that Andrew, Andrew's the dude. He's the dude making connections because Philip immediately goes to Andrew and says, Hey, Andrew, these Greeks want to meet Jesus. Why? I mean, I think that the reason that Philip went to Andrew is because Philip knew that Andrew was that dude. 
says, hey, most people are going to tell me that these Greeks can't go to Jesus. But Andrew, you that dude that brought the, the boy with the fish, you, you the one that was there, man. And, and I know that you got love inside of you. And, and I just, what should I do? How should I deal with these Greeks? And he says, Brent, let's go to Jesus. That's the only accounts we see is personal accounts. Here you've got a nation of Gentiles who have been saved, and here on the front lines was Andrew saying, let's bring them to Jesus. We always give credit to the Apostle Paul preaching to the Gentiles. But what about Andrew who was on the front lines? We always give credit to people like Peter and others who was preaching the gospel and affected the Gentiles. But what about Andrew on the front line? Why do I say this to you? I say this to you because even though Andrew was a silent assassin working behind the scenes and not getting recognition, never stepping on the stage, through him 3,000 was saved. Through him 5,000 got food. Through him all the Gentiles in the world are hearing the gospel of Jesus. What does that mean for me? Well, let me tell you a story. In the year 1854, there was a man named Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was nothing more but a Sunday school teacher in Detroit. This is a real story. This ain't made up. Y'all with me, right? Okay. One day, this Sunday school teacher began to have a burden for a boy who was 17 years old, a part of his Sunday school. This boy wanted nothing to do with God. He was so uninterested in God and religion. During this unction or this prayer time with God, he decided, I'm going to go visit this 17-year-old boy that doesn't want anything to do with God. He took time out of his own schedule, unpaid, voluntary, and went to visit this young man at the shoe shop. This is where the 17-year-old boy was working in 1854. He led this little boy to conversion to accept Christ in the shoe shop in 1854. That young man who got saved that day was D.L. Moody. Now, D.L. Moody became one of the greatest evangelists of all times. He preached in multiple continents and shared the gospel with over one million people, as well as founding the Moody Bible Institute and the Moody Bible Church in Chicago. Moody was responsible for leading, okay? Now, keep in mind, I just told you about Kimball. Kimball's just a little Sunday school teacher, and he ministered to Moody and then Moody went to London and began to preach the gospel. And a pastor named F.B. Meyer got led to Christ. And then F.B. Meyer began to preach the gospel. And he led a man named J. Wilbur Chapman to Christ. And then Chapman went and preached to a man named Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday became a prominent evangelist of the 20th century. I go on to tell you that Billy Sunday, preaching the gospel, influenced a man named Mordecai Ham. I don't know if you know who Mordecai Ham is, but here's what's important. is Mordecai Ham was the preacher responsible for leading a young man to Christ named Billy Graham. I want you to know that I do not think that Edward Kimball realized that he would be a part of a movement that would affect millions of people across the world. I don't think he went to the shoe shop that day because he wanted to save Billy Graham. He went to the shoe shop that day because he knew how important it was to be an Andrew. Why do I say that to you? 
I say that to you because there are so many people that I know that God is speaking to and he's telling you to do something, but it's so small and so seemingly insignificant that you're saying, no, Lord, I don't want to do it. And I need you to know that you may be the next Edward Kimball that's going to minister to D.L. Moody and eventually get to Billy Graham. And we need to see that it's not about us. It's a lot bigger than us. That's why the Apostle Paul said some water, some plant, But God gives the increase. Andrews, I need you to start watering. Andrews, I need you to start planting. As someone named Frankie told me, she said, Pastor, salvation is like a jar. Can I have some help closing? It's like a jar, and it's a jelly bean jar, and the jar is empty. And you pop the top off the jar, and you put a jelly bean in. He says, she said, that jelly bean is is symbolic for one person giving the word. It may have been a word of Jesus loves you. It may have been a word that there is a God. It may have just been a hug. It may have been a $5 bill. Hey, can I get you some food? And he says that this jelly jar, once it's full, signifies them giving their life to God. And every person's on a journey to get their jelly bean jar full. And we the people are the Andrews that are to put jelly bean jars in one by one. One by one. Now, let me be honest with you. Here's the reality. The reality is, is some of you have been putting jelly bean jars in all these jars for so many years, and you still don't see anything coming. And and I just need to tell you that you can't see the jar full. You don't get to see the lid shut. You don't get to see them respond and give their heart to Jesus. But you just need to believe that you're adding jelly beans to the jelly bean jar. Now, granted, yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair that Andrew has been putting jelly beans in all of these jars for all of these years. And then Peter comes along and preaches one message. And it's the closing jelly bean that seals the deal. And he gets 3,000 saved under his belt. That's not fair. But can I tell you what? It doesn't matter if it's fair. What matters is that we take our world back. That's what matters. What matters is that we get drug addicts and alcoholics and babies off the street. And it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's not about recognition. It's about jelly bean jars getting full and lids being shut. Communities being changed. Black on black crime ending. Drug addiction. Poverty being taken over by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need you to put jelly bean jars in, or jelly beans in the jars. I need you to go out and just start adding them, and you may be planting a seed. You may be watering, but we need to just trust that God's going to give the increase. I want to pray that there are Andrews raising up in here, that you'll be okay being an Andrew. You'll be okay being an Andrew. Y'all, y'all hear me? I need you to get to the place where you'll say, Lord, I'll be, I'm okay being an Andrew. I, I, don't, I don't need to get all the recognition. I don't need to be on the stage. All I need to do is be behind the scenes, playing my part, contributing into the kingdom of God. How, where's my Andrews at? Can I have any Andrews? Raise up your hand. Raise up your hand. If you say, Lord, I'm an Andrew. I don't need the notoriety. I don't need the position. I just want to do something for you, God. I want to be an Andrew, Father. Father. 
I pray right now for every Andrew. I pray the spirit of humility. I pray the spirit of confidence. I pray binding the spirit of, of, of jealousy. I come against the coveting spirit. I come against people that are trying to go higher than other people. I pray that spirit of keeping up with the Joneses is dying in the name of Jesus. No more titles, no more position, no more call me doctor, call me reverend, call me pastor. I pray that people will get back to the reality that they're a name and that they poop just like everybody else poops. And they put their pants on like everybody else. God, break the spirit of pride in us. Break that spirit that's in us that tries to rise up and says we're better than other people. Break us, Lord, and make us like Andrew, humble. Humble, Lord. God, we thank you for wherever you take us. If you take us to the stage, we thank you. If you keep us on the streets, we thank you. If our ministry is public, we thank you. If our ministry stays private, we still thank you. Lord, we just want to be the best that we can. And I pray that you're going to help us to do that. To be the best that we can. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, the world was created by him. The name that's been around since the beginning of time. I pray in that name and I bind every jealous spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against every competitive spirit that's not ever satisfied if they lose. I bind the spirit of pride and arrogance that tries to rise up in my family. Father, I bind in the name of Jesus the spirit of coveting. Father, I bind in the name of Jesus. That spirit that tells us that we will only be important when people know us. I bind that in the name of Jesus. And I pray releasing confidence. Releasing security. Let us know that we're valuable regardless of what we do or the impact we think we make. Father, let us put down the title and pick up a towel and start serving people. Lord, we honor you. We thank you for this series, Lord. I thank you for speaking to me as you have. And I pray, Lord, that this word has been spoken from your mouth to your people. And that we are all becoming better in the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you. And we honor you. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And we the people of Diverse City say yes and amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. These altars are open. If anybody needs prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Thank you for joining us, and we hope this message blessed you. 